0: This is the BBC.
1: This podcast is supported by
2: advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, I'm Anita Arnind and thank you for downloading BBC Radio 4's Any Answers, the sister programme to Any Questions. Good afternoon. Welcome to Any Answers. So as you have been hearing on the news today, uh, 39 migrants trying for a better life in the UK Died tragically in the back of a lorry. There have been arrests made. It is now a live case. But a question that was asked on the programme, I'd like you to consider now on any questions. They asked, would we be so sympathetic if they had survived the journey? 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Uh, this week, yes, Brexit right front and centre as usual um, so it looks as though October the 31st is going to be known as Halloween and Halloween only uh, this year so no commemorative Brexit coins no agreement across the benches no idea how to clear this logjam no sign to an end of all of this I just want to know what you think should happen will a general election sort this mess out uh, also did you see Prince Harry and his wife Meghan the Duchess of Sussex talking to a television programme talking about how the media was making the their life so very difficult and unhappy i wonder if you sympathized or did you expect well something more of the the queen's attitude never explain never complain uh, is her adage, and uh, should more people do apprenticeships? Do too many go to university, in your view? And just circling back round to that Brexit debate, um, are you so sick of Brexit now that if I gave you the power to live in a parallel universe and you had the power to actually exchange Brexit stories with other stories that matter to you that aren't getting the coverage, tell us what we should know about what's going on in your area that is important, that matters, that's having an impact on your life and we just don't know about it because there's no room in the bulletin. 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Uh, you can email, of course, you can tweet us using the hashtag BBCAQ and we will find you. Let us start, though, by talking about the um, terrible situation that faced those 39 migrants and the the bigger, wider questions that are thrown up by what they went through. Uh, our first caller is Ethna dodwell who's calling us from bradford good afternoon Ethna.
3: good afternoon anita
2: so the question that was asked uh, on any questions was would we have been so sympathetic if they had survived um what did you think of that
3: i thought it was an absolutely brilliant question and the answer is a resounding no especially if you were in the home office tell me why well i worked for many years i've stopped now because i just couldn't cope anymore as after I retired, with a very small charity in Bradford that support refused asylum seekers, and my work was mostly supporting them with their legal paperwork, so I had a lot of contact with the Home Office. And we have known that this has been going on for years and years and years. There's plenty of information about it in the public domain. You only have to read, say, The Guardian or even keep an eye on the BBC website to know that these things are happening all the time. The numbers are not so huge, but that People have been dying all the time, and it's only when there's a big, big tragedy we all get tremendously emotional. Caroline Furbanks said, we didn't know about it, but now we know. We do know. We've known for years. We've just chosen not to admit that we know.
2: There is a, a difference in approach, though. Um, people are universally horrified who been getting in touch with the programme. But yeah. some believe that the Home Office needs to relax restrictions. Others say actually tighten the restrictions and make sure they're enforced. What do you think?
3: The two are not as incompatible as they sound. The Home Office's decision-making process is extremely incompetent. And I have a, I've had a lot of experience. Well, that, I mean, without the without way. saying
2: names, I mean, just generally tell me tell me how well, that has manifested itself. Um,
3: huge delays. People are waiting years and years and years, at, very often at the public expense for decisions to be made. The Home Office doesn't follow its own guidelines all the time. It routinely refuses. It re- routinely treats victims of trafficking as criminals. It is impossible for an asylum seeker to claim asylum outside the UK. They have to be on UK soil. But we have exported our borders. They have to... The border is now in Calais or other places in Europe. They can't get legally to Britain. If you're someone who's been persecuted in a small village... You almost certainly don't have a passport. You can't get to the capital city. You're convinced you will be recognised by the bosses because this is a, mostly their cultures where everybody is known by their uh by their tribal relations. You have to know somebody who knows somebody. Mm. You can't get hold of a passport without a passport. you can't even buy a ticket and you already haven't got the money to anyway, people need to be allowed to apply for asylum in, the, in their country of origin. And we need to stop supplying arms to corrupt regimes and we stop. T- we need to stop taking their signature to human rights international treaties at face value. There OK, are-
2: OK. Can you, can you stay with us? I'm not getting rid yep. of you. It's oh. just we've, we've got... I mean, it's, we have an extended programme. I should have mentioned that today. Um, we're trying something out. I know a lot of you have said before that there's so many of you want to speak and you don't have time. So we are... We are trying out some longer programmes. So for 45 minutes we'll be on air and still uh, our our phone lines light up um, like Christmas. Bill Parker has called from the Forest of Dean. Hello, Bill. Hello. Hi, you heard what Ethna was saying. Um, What do you think should be done, could be done?
4: I think I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I I, I think that uh, um, we're talking here almost certainly about economic migrants. We're in a situation where the world has... I think approximately 7,700 million people in it, and we have about 67 million in this country, which means that uh, for every one of us, there's more than 100 outside, and of those 100 outside, most of them would probably be better off if they were here. So in this, we actually enforce our border restrictions. Over time, a significant portion of them will continue to move here if they can get away with it. And obviously the majority of people that try and get in illegally do get away with it, as we hope, well, that's certainly anecdotal, I can't claim too much personal experience. Now, in this case, these people, for whom we obviously feel personally very sorry, were doing the equivalent of climbing up a ladder and breaking into your house. They fell off the ladder and the consequences were disastrous. Now, these people were trying to break into our country, and then they were going to um, take advantage of all the services here. And doubtless, they would probably work fairly hard. But um, anecdotally, Mm. certainly I've heard reports uh, that, um, you know, they paid a lot of money to get here. Their families pay. These are not the, the poor and the oppressed
2: uh, let's, uh, stay th- stay so that's there because right, let's the let...
1: position, sure that.
2: sure and and the person who uh, you think is on the other end of that spectrum is still listening to you, Ethna. Do you want to come back and talk to Bill? Well, last year in Europe, um, the UK took
3: 0.57 of a person in for asylum. Sorry. 0.5 asylum applied for asylum for every thousand of the population so we are far from being inundated and as I said before it's almost impossibly impossible to apply legally for okay. asylum
2: okay but but the, but the point was that these are economic migrants they're not fleeing persecution a lot of the time the ones I dealt with
3: who had okay. been refused many times okay. As well.
2: All right, thank you, thank you both very much indeed. Um, a lot of uh, food for thought to start us off. 03700 100 444. This uh, Alan from uh, Alan has has tweeted saying, "No single country can tackle people traffickers or people smugglers with full success on its own. It's such a shame. There's no pan-European body that we could be a member of to give us a better chance of doing so." Oh ho, ho, Alan. Uh, this one from someone who calls themselves I Murphy. Unless we, yes, that's the British too, are really willing to address money laundering and the prolific use of offshore tax havens by organised crime, there will always, they will always have an incentive to traffic both drugs and people. Uh, Maximilian says you have to wonder why the world feels that this country is some sort of utopia, that it's worth risking your life to get here be that in a container or a pump-up boat across the sea, whatever idea do they have and where do they get that? Jenny Dix is calling us from Stafford Walden. Hello, Jenny.
5: Oh, yes, good afternoon to you. Hi. May I just start by saying my heartfelt sympathy to the families and also the emergency crews that have had to
2: deal with all this. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's, un- it's unthinkable what would have met their eyes. But yeah.
5: they were going to be illegal immigrants. They, they didn't have to get back into that container in it. They'd, they'd come a long way to do it. And one of your panellists said, I don't know who it was, that they paid up to £30,000. Mm. Now, they're life savings. Now, I know young families who couldn't save that in two lifetimes. So there are obviously rich people who are doing this or rich families. They're coming in. Or people who've or people who've
2: borrowed up to the hilt. Or people Sorry, who or people happened? who have borrowed and borrowed and borrowed to get passage and will spend the rest of their lives paying that back? Yes, they probably will.
5: Mm. But I as a child, nothing to do with this, was almost shoeless going to school. My mother picked potatoes in a field. My dad was a labourer, did six years in the army. But it doesn't come easy, and I think I am very sympathetic with these people uh, losing these youngsters as well. But I think I think we aren't looking after our own, and also. Well, I mean, um, how,
2: how would you how would you stop this from happening again? Well,
5: I think we have got to be more vigilant. I mean, they've come a long way, haven't they? Bless them. They haven't just come into. Calais or wherever Zeebrugge uh, and made the journey. They've obviously been travelling for some time. So why don't they stay in the countries where they first arrived? And I know why. Mm. And I know you'll think I'm going to be awful. No, no. We are a soft touch.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: We are a soft touch. And we can't go on like this. Are they risking their lives. And perhaps when they are fortunate enough to get into our country, then we have to deal with them. It takes a lot of money.
2: What do you mean and deal not... with them? Because most of these people disappear into that sort of shadow economy and I, we don't I hear I from them again. Do. But what mm. I mean, if, mm.
5: some, if they find them crossing the channel or hopefully, you know, they're not too badly off and they're taken into care and looked after, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, okay. I'm not privy to that. Okay. But all I can say is... It's
2: not our fault. Okay. It's not our country's fault. OK. Jenny, thank you. Uh, Some of your thoughts coming in on Twitter. The tragedy of the illegal immigrants who died in a container was terrible enough, but it is never mentioned about who they were brought over to work for. It just seems to me our wonderful economy is propped up on low wages, says Jeremy Calvert. Steve FX says, I'd uh, be more curious to know after the tragic deaths of 39 how many more are in the pipeline. And we need a way to protect our truckers. Most uh, are simple, simply contracted to hook up unit A and deliver it to B from trackers. trackers. What is being done for them? Uh, Rosemary Toy is calling us from uh, somewhere in Essex, Ingeston. Hi, Ingestone Rosemary. In Essex. Hiya. Hi there. Hi. What do you want to say?
6: Um, well, I've been listening to a lot of very interesting discussions. My point was. The original question was, wasn't it, posed, would be be so sympathetic if the people had lived? And I think there is some essence of people's fear in general of um, people coming into the country in whatever way. I don't want to comment on this case because it's still ongoing. It's an active
2: one, and I appreciate that. I'm grateful mm. to you. Thank you, Rosemary.
6: Um But I feel that it's an extraordinary world we're living in the moment. Um, There are two sorts of people, and they're both extremely vulnerable. What I wanted to say was, because we've chosen to leave Europe, a lot of people voted leave because they were worried about our laws and everything. But it has thrown up as well some slight difficulties over the feeling of difference. And two or three years ago, um, in Harlow, in Essex, um, was a Polish family living, and the husband worked in one of these nighttime plants doing chicken processing, not anything particularly that people like to do. And I'm afraid he came out and he was killed by people because of his accent. It was a cause celeb at the time. Um, It is lack of understanding. The world's in turmoil. I don't have answers to it, but certainly the British Red Cross, who I heard on um, television, said we need corridors. But that was for asylum seekers. Yeah.
2: Yeah. OK. I, yeah. Well, no, go on, Can We finish your point.
6: Go no, I, I, yeah. I just think it's such a big point. Mm. Um, these people, I think, work in different areas and they send money back, which is what happens in the Bangladeshi community when they're in Qatar. Mm-hmm. It's to try and get money back for them to help the families. I don't know the answer, but we okay. need...
2: We need to That's be. Okay. We need to no. We need what? I mean, don't don't leave me hanging. Just finish oh, the sentence. We need what? We, we, we need understanding, <laughs> understanding um, okay. and, and the full picture. Just okay. like we
6: do about leaving Europe, we Thank don't you. know the full picture.
2: Rosemary, Thank you, uh, Stephanie uh, Mignon, who is often. Writing to this programme. I never know if I'm pronouncing your surname right, Stephanie. Do let me know if I'm not. Theresa May's hostile environment, immigration policies have fueled tragedies such as this. When legal ways to enter the country are shut off, those who are determined or desperate will take drastic measures. Uh, Amanda says do not dare say this is because of smuggling and trafficking smuggling and trafficking occupy the space where desperation war and poverty live if we want to stop deaths and risks we need to see the desperation and our collective part in it Dan says let's be honest half the people particularly in politics who are saying this is a tragedy would have been screaming from the rooftops about the need for tighter border controls if they had survived the hypocrisy and lack of empathy for migrants uh, is distressing Um, Uh, Let's take one more call on this and uh, then uh, we may move on to talk about, well, Brexit, the thing that we always talk about on this programme. So um, let's let's end the calls on this for now. We could come back to it if many more want to talk uh, about this. But John Walker, let's talk about uh, the migrant situation and people who come into this country and take such drastic risks to get here. John, what do you have to say? John Walker, are you there? John, you've got the biggest build-up I've ever given, hello, and I can't hello. hear. There yeah, you are. Hello. You are hiding underneath a fader, and we found yeah. you, John. Thank goodness for that. What did you want to say?
7: Uh, well, obviously, like everyone else, um, you know, my heart goes out to all the people and their families who, who died. Um, one thing, though, that I haven't heard, in terms of, sort of putting sympathy into, you know, how do we deal with this kind of thing and, and possibly stop these kind of tragedies from happening in the future... Mm. Um, some, you know, everyone's got a mobile phone these days, I presume all the drivers in the lorries and everything else like that do. Um, and it occurs to me that some of the technology that's being used by port authorities to detect people in trailers, such as carbon dioxide monitors to detect, you know, the presence of, you know, people breathing in the trailer, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, perhaps with... Like something like a phone app on the driver's phone and a carbon monoxide monitor broadcasting to that app from within the trailer would alert the driver, you know, because not all drivers obviously know that they're bringing people in and, and they're at risk of prosecution, mm. you know, if they're found to have people in the trailer when they reach the destination port. Mm. Um, it occurs to me that, you know, if, they, if there's some sort of technological solution like that, that the drivers could then go to the port authorities and say, look, I think there's someone in my trailer... Um, without having the risk of them having to open the door themselves and potentially put themselves in harm's way. Um, I just think that, you know, for people in in positions where they're able to do something about this, um, technological companies, um, transport industry, even government, it might be something that might be worth considering.
2: Okay, so, I mean, your your concern is for the immediate um, danger to life, that is presented by by these situations. Okay, and there there are others who are writing. Thank you very much for your call, by the way, John. Uh, Others who are writing in the same vein. This is an email from someone called James Berry, who said it could be made a legal requirement that the doors on all enclosed spaces large enough for a person to enter, including refrigerated vehicles, as well as cupboards under the stairs, for example, must be equipped with a means of opening from the inside. Um, If you do want to carry on talking about this, do call in. We're going to sort of switch gear a little bit and talk about the the latest in well what is now the brexit logjam um nothing seems to be moving very fast at all Whose fault is that, do you think? And would a general election get things moving? Just before that, uh, this is an email that sort of ties two things together. Mike Brayshaw says, Will all the people who voted for Brexit on the grounds that there are too many immigrants to this country take a minute's silence to reflect on the horrific final suffering of the Perfleet 39, who came to our affluent country probably believing we are kind, progressive, decent and honourable? Anyone who thinks that immigration to the UK is a problem needs to look across the world and think again. We should be more generous, particularly after our dubious colonial history. Well, let's talk about Brexit, I mean, because it mentioned Brexit in that email. What's going on and what's going to get things moving? Well, the answer to what's going on is not much, Annie Shelbourne, isn't it? Not much is happening at all. Um, No. So what do we do? Oh, goodness me, Anita.
8: I don't think um, to have a general election would be the answer, really, for three reasons. I mean, one is that... I feel general elections should be not just a single issue thing which is this election would just turn out to be about Brexit and there's so many other really important issues that I would be wanting to vote for and I would hope other people would be wanting to vote on different things. For myself, I mean as a disabled person, the really important things to me are to the stuff that's happened in the last nine years to disabled people, the cuts in disability benefits, cuts to social care and the state of the NHS, the underfunding of the NHS. Um, So I think tangling it all up with Brexit would be a very bad thing for the country anyway. Also, I just don't think it's actually a good way of finding out what people think about Brexit because if you live in a safe seat, say, for example, I used to live in Cheshire and that has always been Conservative. I'm 63 and it has been Conservative seat all my life and it will never be anything else. So as a Remain voter, if I was still living in Cheshire and I wanted to vote for a Remain party my vote would be meaningless because there's nobody else but the Conservatives ever get a look-in in in that seat. Mm. The same if you lived, say, in the South West, where there was a safe seat for a Lib Dem, but you you were a Leave supporter it would be the same thing. It's just not a good way of voting on a single issue, is it? It's
2: it's not a good way of reflecting what you care about, Annie Shelbourne, but there are uh, political leaders who just are itching to have some kind of mandate to do something, to be able to move forward with their own agenda. And maybe a general election would clear the path for somebody, anybody, to be able to do that. But not about Brexit, would it? Mm-hmm. Because it, it, the, the views of the
8: people are not going to be reflected so sec- in a general election. Is it
2: second referendum and only second referendum for you?
8: I think what needs to happen now is they need to let this bill carry on, let it be properly scrutinised and um, amended or not amended as the case may be. Mm-hmm. And when that's done, then there should be a confirmatory vote on that particular Johnson's deal for either Johnson's deal or Remain, and then every person in the country can have a vote, everybody over 18. um, I think I, I can't see how else it can be resolved. And also it should be written into this bill that this will be legally enacted. It's not just going to be an advisory one like the last one. Got you. So that that has to be the last word on it.
2: Okay, Annie, thank you very much indeed. Uh, John Bromley-Davenport is calling us from Cheshire, where Annie used to live um, and doesn't live anymore. John, are you happy with Annie's plan for the way forward?
9: Well, my view has always been that we voted to leave Europe, and uh, I voted in that way, as did almost all the members of my family of all ages, and that that's what we should do. Uh, now, Jeremy Corbyn has said that he will back a general election, but only if Boris takes no deal off the table. Yes. In that, in that, he is completely and utterly barking up the wrong tree because it's a matter of constitutional law that one parliament cannot bind the power of future parliaments. Mm. So even if the PM uh, agreed to uh, uh, this so-called deal with Corbyn, and then rushed through a bill forbidding a no-deal exit, and then had a general election, he would be able to reopen no-deal straight after the election if he won. But
2: pa- so Parliament works. has spoken. Parliament has spoken and said, you know what, no deal is off the table. The, the, the Prime Minister lost the vote on that. He lost the ability to leave with no deal. That is one thing. That is one of the only clear things that has come out of Parliament out of that fog. <laughs> but, is no, that if, if,
9: if, if there was a general election, another Parliament could completely reverse that. Because one parliament cannot bind uh, uh, the next parliament or any uh, other parliament. So,
2: so may I may I ask you? I mean, there are there are those who say, look, we need to take our time with this. I don't know whether you heard. I, you're you're a lawyer yourself, aren't you, by trade? Yes, I am. John, yes, I mean, yes. quite a senior, important lawyer. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, no, I, 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 I've heard. I've heard someone whispered, oh, he's a QC. Yeah. You know, uh, we like yes. letters and we're <laughs> impressed by them. Another QC um, who is called David Anderson, Lord David Anderson. I don't know whether you heard him speaking to the Today programme, but he was saying, look what's your hurry a withdrawal bill would take six months to scrutinize properly in normal times and we're not even in normal times at the moment he said look i'm a crossbencher nobody wants to delay this but you know if we sprinted through this we would get it done in six months this is like and this is the quote that caught my eye a complicated bit of computer code which starts in a beta version and things that don't work need ironing out bugs need to be detected technical amendments need to be made that's why we're here
9: Well, I I don't entirely agree with that. I mean, I would not be averse at all to a short delay, which uh, if um, uh, no agreement is reached with Corbyn tomorrow, it seems likely, uh, it also seems likely that the European community will uh, order a short delay. And that would, although it it would put at risk uh, Mr Johnson's uh, so-called promise Um, It was really not a promise. It was a a stated aim
4: Mm -hmm. to leave
9: on the 31st of uh, October. There would have to be some delay during which time these things could be ironed out. And, of course, they would continue to be ironed out once we've left. But I think we should leave in the short term rather than the long term. And I don't think Europe will stand for months and months of delay in any event.
2: That seems to be the mood music coming from there. They sound exhausted if you listen to Adam Fleming's reports. They are just tired and bored of us completely. Um, John, thank you very much. 03700 100 444 is the number. We'll take a couple more calls on this, but we do have other things that came up on any questions, which we'd love to hear your views about. Uh, Among them... The royals. What do you want from your royals these days? Stiff upper lip or a little more of the um, showing emotion side of things? This is, of course, because of the interview given by Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan. Um, I want to know what you make of that. And also apprenticeships versus university degrees. Have we tilted in the wrong direction a little too much? Uh, John Threadgold is calling us from London. Hello. 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 So you're still on Brexit, and that's, you're very welcome to talk about it with us. Uh, what happens now? Because at the moment, we are, we're in a bit of a fix, aren't we? Everybody's looking to everybody else. It's like that scene yeah. um, in, in a Quentin Tarantino movie where everyone's just frozen in time with guns pointing at each other, and we don't know which, who's going to fire first. So
10: That's, that's true. Mm. Um, can I just say, before I tackle that one, that I did vote for Brexit originally, and I'm, and now uh, I've now changed my mind.
2: Right. Okay. That's so. Tell me about your ju- your journey, as they say.
10: It is a journey. Yeah. yeah.
2: Tell me about your journey, John.
10: Well, well, I, I voted Brexit largely for for three reasons. One was the appalling way that Greece has been was being treated with sort of pretend and extend bailouts that were really designed to bail out the German banks and austerity on steroids. And I just thought an organisation, with the help of the IMF admittedly, and the World Bank, or no, not the World Bank, the ECB, that could do this, is just absolutely an an appalling organisation to be in. And I I voted Brexit because the Eurozone is like a Euro disaster area for the Mediterranean countries, and it still is, Italy is in crisis. Mm I also voted Brexit because of TTIP, the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, that mm-hmm. was threatening governments being taken into a court with by secret tribunals by multinational companies. So, and also the European army. So,
2: right. So you, so you—that we know the start of your journey. Uh, I mean, the European army is something that a lot of people contest and say that is not a thing that was going to happen. But let's 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 take that as your <laughs> let's start of where you were politically before the referendum. Then tell me what happened. Why? Why are you now? I mean, it sounds like you're a. Reluctant Remainer, but it sounds like you're telling me you are a Remainer. Why is that?
10: Reluctant Remainer. I'm a Reluctant Remainer. I think that General Corbyn's uh, warning about trashing of workers' rights is real. He might, uh, Boris Johnson m- might give some promises now to buy off Leave MPs, but I actually think his his thing is to tr- is to have a bargain basement off Europe. Also, I just don't like the alternative of being swallowed up by America. I don't like. I think the National Health Service is being privatised, but that will happen on steroids with with any deal with America. And, and I just think that it, it's on balance in terms of workers' rights and National Health Service and stuff. On balance, it's probably better to remain than to be swallowed up by the USA. Right. So there, I mean, two, two, two
2: things came up today. I mean, you had the FT uh, saying that there was some discussion within Dexu, the department, uh, that yep. was handling that. the, the, the the leaving of the European Union, saying that actually we would not be aligned with European uh, legislation on workers' rights. And then you had Kwasi Kwarteng, who was uh, speaking for the government this morning, saying, don't be silly, I don't know what that's about. Um, Of course we're going to look after workers, trust me. Trust me, he said. So so, what, why are you laughing when he says, trust me?
10: Oh, uh, the Tory party looking after workers' rights um, is, is just a laugh, isn't it? Isn't that a joke? They, 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 they've introduced they zero-hour contracts and all sorts of things. I, I just think that workers' rights would be trashed. The idea is you trash workers' rights, mm-hmm. you, you, you reduce the pay uh, of people, you increase the profit margins, mm-hmm. and you're competing against... You're so- trying to compete against against China so
2: despite that that anti-globalization and the the what you deem to be the cruelty shown to countries like Greece, yeah. you know this is the lesser of two evils in your point of view, and so you're lesser going remain now mm, mm. So can I just make
10: a point about the general election Just
2: very briefly if you don't mind, John, yes, lots of people waiting. go on Yes
10: to a general election, not in December and not until a no deal is ruled out.
2: Okay, John, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Fiona Dixon is waiting to speak to us and William Snowden is waiting to speak to us. Fiona, let's go to you first, calling from somewhere near Hull. Hello. Hello, Anita. Hi, what did you want to say?
11: I agree totally with the last call about workers' rights and the Tory government. I've been a nurse for 40 years. I started off at £63 a week and only recently, at the end of my career, I'm now 61. Did my wage increase to anything like to live on properly? Um, I'm annoyed about the women's pension. I'm annoyed about the way Boris Johnson comes on every news. And he's almost behaving like a dictator. Making lives a misery. People don't listen to the news anymore because it's just awful what he's saying. Are you, are
2: you, do you find yourself switching it off now, just walking away? It's frightening. It's yeah. frightening, OK. Yeah,
11: making lives so miserable for many, many people. Mm.
2: What, would, what would get us out of this, Fiona? I can, he- I can hear the distress in your voice, but what would make things move in a direction... A, people, a people's vote.
11: A people's vote.
2: So a second uh, referendum, in effect. With what, with what as the question?
11: I don't think... As far as I'm concerned, the only pe- person that's talking sense in this world at the moment is David Aspenborough. And I think young people are, again, they're being mm. just less. Okay, but but the time. question,
2: yeah, but the question. I mean, I, I, I don't think David Attenborough is going to draft the question for us. But no. the question would would it would a sensible question be? Um, just this is the deal that's on the table from the government. Uh, do you want to remain? Do you want another deal that's negotiated by Labour? Um, if you don't have an idea, that's okay. Let me ask the next caller, William Snowden, uh, calling from Ilkley in Yorkshire. Hi, William. Hello. Hi, so Fiona's just saying, look, this is just leaving everything in such a state of distress for people um, who just want their their stories that really do touch their lives to be covered. And that all seems to be ignored and they seem to be feeling uh, greater and greater anxiety being ignored in that way. How do we get out of this?
12: (laughs) Um, Could I make two points of fact? First of all, we've had two referendums. I took part in both of them. 1975 was the first 2016 was the second referendum and people voted in both those referendums so i'm a bit annoyed by this idea that we've got to have a second referendum we had it and a bit annoyed by the idea that it was advisory david cameron the prime minister made the commitment whatever you decide we shall implement Mm. that was a political statement it wasn't advisory and it will be for a generation. There were 41 years between the first and the second referendum.
2: So, But we are where we are. Yes, and we are in a, a situation
12: so where... We shouldn't ignore them.
2: Okay, we are where we are we're not moving in any given direction i mean the, the fact is yes, he did say that and and people wrote it in their manifestos across the party. they the would public respect public? that they would respect it i mean but some of them still now saying look it was only advisory as a legal instrument it was advisory Non-st- but we said well i'm just telling you what uh, they well, would your say if they were isn't here advisory.
12: you can't have a prime minister William now that we are that now that we advisory.
2: now that we are where we are and things are not moving in any direction at all mm. how do we how do we how do we get out of this
12: well, they're not moving because we have a parliament that can't agree on anything. That's why we need an well, that, election. That, that, Whether
2: that, okay. So a general election immediately?
12: Yes. You've got a government that can't implement policy. What's the point of the government if it can't implement policy? So what if... In normal circumstances, if we don't have the Fixed-Term Parliament Act, it would be happening now.
2: So the, the, the offer that's on the table at the moment from Labour is saying, yes, that's fine, just make sure that no deal is off the table and we'll give you your election.
12: Look, the European Union has been involved in negotiations. It hasn't just been this country. It's not just our agreement. It's theirs. It's taken three and a half years for us to get to this point. And I can understand why they're getting fed up. You know, the no, f- but that's not what I asked to- you.
2: I said the deal. if the deal that is there on the table in front of the Prime Minister right now is like, you know what, you just give us a cast iron guarantee that no deal is off the table and we will go for your general election.
12: To get the no deal off the table, you vote for the deal. Theresa May made that clear to them on three occasions. They won't vote for a deal. All they can agree on is not to agree on anything. It is absurd. We need parliamentarians, first of all, who are Democrats. And I'm afraid the Liberal Democrats, who I've voted for in the past, by the way, mm. um, they are not Democrats. They're illiberal and undemocratic. They're going to overturn the largest democratic vote we've okay. had in this country. Okay. And that's not, that's not democracy. And okay. can I also make one other point? Uh, very, you know, actually, the only, the if it's, only
2: if it's like one you can do in eight seconds or so. Go on, William.
12: Yes, they don't want to scrutinise. They want to change it totally, to a customs union. Okay. That's not what we voted for.
2: William, thank you very much and thank you for being so succinct. Uh, just this final one on this and then we're going to move on and talk about apprenticeships versus university degrees. Uh, this is from Jason Jessop who says, uh, there are stark similarities, you know, between Brexit and Groundhog Day. It's a movie, in case you didn't know. I half expect Bill Murray to pop up in Parliament in a cameo role. Brexit has been, go- been going on so long, I have actually grown a beard. And everybody is a bit lost in the fog of Brexit. So should I send a map to politicians? Is that what it would take? Jason, thank you very much indeed. Uh, let's talk about uh, university degrees. Um, are they being pushed out too widely to too many people at the expense of apprenticeships that actually would be useful to people, useful to industry, useful to the country? Um, Euton Roberts is calling us. Hello.
0: Hiya. Hi. Let me just start by saying I do miss you and Peter.
2: Oh, that's a, do you know what? That's a different parish. But it's a Radio 5 Live, and I don't think we can say that here without them setting well, the dogs on us, Newton. I, I
0: do miss the pair of you.
2: Oh, thank you very much indeed. I will let Peter know. That's very sweet of you. Um, so, tell me. However, what I, what I would like
0: to say is um, I'm the proud father of a daughter with a first.
2: Congratulations. Um, Great.
0: And really, really. Uh, but at the same time... I'm actually a, a, a working plumber, self-employed and gas-safe engineer.
2: Well, congratulations for that too. A very useful thing to be doing, yeah.
0: And the thing is, I don't know, it, since I was at school, it just seems that what you've got to do is you've got to get your sats, do your this, that, the other, go to uni, get your degree... Well, A, not everybody can do it, Mm. and B, the only reason that, if you like, institution or building stands is because somebody had to dig a trench.
2: So do you think, I mean, let's, let's take your daughter's example. I mean, you are a proud dad, of course you are, but would she have been better off getting something practical under her belt?
0: Um... No, just being, to be fair, just being, Jess, she was groomed for stardom. She was ex-girl, <laughs> blah-de-blah. Right,
2: OK. Well, you, now, you're a lovely, proud dad, but for others, you think actually that there, there, there is just too much weight put on academics and SATs and, and passing exams uh, rather ad- than living your life. Absolutely,
0: purely mm-hmm. and simply, because regardless, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong, my daughter and myself have had a few arguments over it, Uh, insofar as, well, it doesn't matter what the institution is... Mm -hmm. At some point, somebody had day, somebody, somebody dug the foundations. To
2: to the toilet. Yeah, the Thank you. are Absolutely right. Very wise. Thank you very much indeed. Um, this one from somebody. Oh, I do love a Twitter handle like this. Bad-tempered badger has been in touch. When I left school, I was asked to choose a career path for the rest of my life with no experience to draw on. I chose one, studied for years, and discovered there were no jobs in it where I lived, and was no longer. Then uh, there was no longer anyone to ask for help. Uh, another one here. We need to get back to the idea of lifelong learning. All these educational opportunities should be there for older people too. Uh, George bernardshaw Shaw, a regular on this programme. We have to value all people equally. Some people, through no fault of their own, are just a bit useless, won't do any good at university or vocational education. Those people are deserving of as much respect as a doctor or engineer. I'm not sure where you're coming from. Duncan Grimmond is calling us. Hello, Duncan. Uh, hello. Hi, what do you want to say?
0: oh Duncan it sounds as if you're
2: speaking through a pillow can we try and sort out your line and come back to you let's go to Michael okay. Kehoe um someone try and put some money in the meat of Duncan's line would you um Duncan Michael Kehoe is calling us from Southampton hello
13: hello Anita hi can what
2: do you I want take, to
13: say well I just want to take issue with you because I think you said that um maybe apprenticeships are practical and that universities are academic. Apprenticeships are academic, they're academic, they're technical and they're practical. I think people think that apprenticeships are Mm hands-on practical. They forget that they're just as technical, just as academic as the university route.
2: I am am, delighted to be put right and thank Thank you very much for doing so. Go on, Michael. What else did you want to say?
13: I would say as well, I think, unfortunately, the government is making it really difficult for employers to employ apprenticeships. We had a really good system. It's called frameworks. They changed it to to what's called an apprenticeship levy, and it's just. I think it's a complex system. It's making it difficult for employers to employ apprentices. I work in an FE college. I would always say to my students, get an apprenticeship over going to university. I think the apprenticeship has more value. I think the problem with university is, is that students will come away with fifty thousand pounds worth of debt. They possibly may do a degree that might not be seen as valuable to an employer. And the gentleman that you spoke to earlier on, I think mm. fantastic that his daughter got a first. Mm. But also as well, we've seen grade inflation at universities. We're seeing a third of students getting first class. And you would question whether or not really... Is the it,
2: first is worth what it was 10 years ago. Michael, thank you. Uh, Jill uh, Gillard is, is calling from Guildford. Hi, Jill. Hi, Anita. Hi. you went through uh, an apprenticeship, is that right? I did. I'm I'm 54
1: now, and I did initially train to be a registered general nurse. I chose that path rather than the degree in nursing, which was quite new. I was encouraged into it. But in retrospect, I regret that. I wish I'd done a degree because move forward quite a few years, change of circumstances, I decided to... I had a career break for being a carer, Mm -hmm. and I decided I wanted to retrain as a social worker. Mm -hmm. But because I didn't have a degree, I couldn't do a fast track course despite the fact i had the experience my apprenticeship registered general nurse wasn't recognized
2: for any credit points that's i mean that sounds so that I, sounds nuts so it just wasn't valued even though you were actually no, doing the work that was necessary no, in the same field
1: no, like, in the same field yeah. but because i didn't have the degree piece of paper
2: right I,
1: I didn't have a degree i couldn't fast track so my point is that i would recommend that young people get a degree because I regret it now Jill thank
2: you, I mean thank you very much I mean that's head scratchingly strange but thank you for telling us about it, Duncan Duncan are you there? Oh thank goodness Duncan, Duncan. I was getting worried about you Yes, Uh, what did you want to say? (laughs)
12: Well,
9: um, people forget that we're actually a tool-using species. We need to make things and mend things and do things with their hands. You actually need a brain to operate your hands. You need hands to operate your brain. Um, and I, I feel that, uh, the we, as great inflation was mentioned just a few moments ago, A degree is no longer worth what it might have been 20 years ago when 10% of the population had a degree. If everybody, well, if half the population has a degree, it becomes average. And we're not doing enough in... Craft training in schools, we're not doing enough in, in, in encouraging people to actually do things with their hands. We're always going to need people to bang in the nails, and we're not training them enough.
2: Okay, well, th- thank you very much indeed um, for making that point, and I'm so glad we, we found you. Uh, just we'll do this to end on because we've got only 10 seconds left. If we make apprenticeships a cheap alternative to university or we'll use it for those who cannot pay or repay loans, we're re- reinforcing a class divide, says TJ. Apprenticeships need to end in a university degree if The Apprentice is capable. Thank you so much for your cause. Same time next week. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Any Answers. Don't forget, if you want to hear any questions or you'd like to invite the programme to your venue, then please go to the BBC Radio 4 website and search for Any Questions. I'm Anita Arnand. Thank you for listening.